24. We flew home through darkness. I knew the moods of my friends. I knew who would explode and when. I contacted them, one by one, in private thought speak. Don't say a word, Marco. I warned. About what? About the fact that David was ready to- I don't have time to argue, Marco. Just don't. I never do that. I never hand out orders. I mean, I am supposed to be the leader, but I don't give orders. I just don't feel like I have the right. But this time, I had no choice. One wrong word, and we could be in bigger trouble than we were already in. You guys know I was just faking the big yerk out, right? David said. Yeah, right. Rachel began. Rachel, shut up. I snapped so only she could hear me. I was, David yelled. I was never going to surrender. And you have no right calling me a coward, Rachel. Maybe you're a coward. Rachel, not one Word, I said. You hear me? Not one word. Then, one by one, I contacted Tobias, Axe, and Cassie. The message was the same. No one disses David. We all accept his story. We all play along like we believe it. I mean, look, David was saying. I'm the one who took him down, right? I mean, I got the creep. Even though Cassie had been chewing on my leg, which was totally unnecessary. You did great, David, I said. Yeah, I think you almost finished the guy off. Marco enthused. I was impressed, Rachel said. Then added privately to me, The gutless, treacherous little worm. He blows with the wind. He turned on Vister 3 when he saw we might win. David seemed to relax as we flew. Then, he went beyond relaxing. He started bragging. Like I was ever scared of that guy? No way. Him and me, we had a score to settle. And I would have taken him down. Only, the way it played out, I couldn't. You know, because they got Cassie and all. Yeah, thanks for holding back, David. Cassie said. I guess you saved my life. No problem, David said. It went that way all the trip back to the barn. David boasting, us reassuring. And the truth was, I couldn't be totally sure he wasn't telling the whole truth. My instincts told me he was lying, that he'd gone over to the visor and only turned on him when, as Rachel had said, he saw how the wind was blowing. But I couldn't be sure. All I knew for sure was one thing. We couldn't act like we were suspicious of David. If he was lying, we'd just end up warning him. If he was telling the truth, we'd destroy any possibility of trust between us. So we had to shut up and play along. For now. It was late when we got back to the barn. Rachel had to rush home to avoid getting grounded for all eternity. Cassie had to invent some story about having come across an injured raccoon who got away. Her parents would accept that. Marco was basically toast, unless he'd gotten lucky and his dad had gone out on a date. Turned out, he had not. 
Marco was going to be applying fertilizer to the lawn and losing TV for a week. Ax and Tobias had no problems. Neither did I. I knew Tom was probably still out, and with my parents out of town, I wasn't in danger of getting grounded. I thought spoke privately with Tobias and Ax. Then I flew home and demorphed. I rumpled my bed and stuck a couple of pillows under the covers to make it look like I was sleeping. I wolfed down some food, carefully leaving dirty dishes around for when Tom came home. He'd seen the dishes and figured I'd raided the refrigerator before going to bed. I even left the TV on, something I do by accident sometimes. Then I morphed again and flew back to the barn to wait. I resumed human form, crouching and shivering in the bed of Cassie's dad's pickup truck. I didn't see Axe or Tobias, but I knew they were there in the night, somewhere. Midnight. Nothing. One o'clock. Nothing. Maybe I was wrong. I hoped I was wrong. If I wasn't wrong, I didn't know what to do. I'll tell you something, though. You don't want to try and be hopeful at one in the morning. It's nothing but depressing at that hour. Cassie's house was dark. Everyone was asleep. Two o'clock. It began to rain lightly. Only, there's no such thing as light rain when you're hunched down on a bag of peat moss in the back of a pickup, wearing bike shorts and a t-shirt. I crawled stiffly out of the bed of the truck and climbed into the cab of the truck. Unbelievable! The keys were in the ignition. I turned them to the on position and switched on the radio very low. That, at least, was an improvement. 2.30 I was wrong about David. If he'd stayed in the barn, I was wrong. And he was staying in the barn. I kept playing the scene over and over in my mind. The moment when he said, Wait, don't shoot me, Altimorph. I don't care about these. And then the fight between him and Cassie. Was David telling the truth? Was it all just a clever plan to get close to Visser 3? Had Cassie just gotten in the way? They're threatening me! That's what he had yelled as he ran to Visser's side. All part of a plan? I was fighting sleep and losing. My head kept falling forward, then suddenly snapping back as I jerked to consciousness. My eyes were bleary from peering at the barn. And, in fact, I missed it when it happened. But Axe didn't. This is Axe He said, in as loud a thought speak as he could manage. We have an eagle leaving the barn. Tobias's thought speak came from somewhere closer. I see him. Jake, I hope you hear me. Because we have a traitor. Chapter 25 Tobias came swooping down to land beside me on the back of the truck. Follow him, I said tersely. But don't let him see you. Axe and I will follow. Tobias spread his wings and took off. But as he left, he said, This won't be easy, Jake. In the dark, his eyes are as good as mine. We'll both be moving pretty slow. Do your best, I said. I had already begun to morph to Peregrine Falcon. David had a head start on Tobias. An even bigger head start on me and Axe. Axe was morphing to Bird, too. None of us was a great night flyer, but Golden Eagles are fast. Faster than Redtails. 
I hooked up with Axe in the air over Cassie's barn. The thought entered my mind that I should get Cassie, regardless of the risk of her parents realizing she was gone. But there was no time. And surely, the three of us could handle David. Axe and I flew hard. We kept calling to Tobias, but he was not within range. I couldn't see him. Or David. Was he heading toward his old house? Was he going to sell out to the Yerks? Could he be that dumb? Once again, I was faced with the fact that I didn't really know David. He was still an unknown quantity. What was he doing? I had no one to follow. No one to know if Tobias was keeping up with David. Ox, we're going to head toward David's old house. I said. Yes, that seems sensible. Ox agreed. When? Ox seemed about to say more. What is it? If David is joining forces with the Yerks, what shall we do with him? I don't know, I said. We flew hard, flapping all the way. We flew above the darkened homes, above the empty streets, above the abandoned businesses. Every few minutes, I would call out to Tobias, but he didn't answer. And slowly, another possibility began to occur to me that it wasn't just a case of Tobias being out of range. Maybe Tobias couldn't answer. Ox, keep an eye out for Tobias. I am. I do not see him in the sky anywhere. Not in the sky, I said. Keep an eye out for him on the ground. You think David may have attacked Tobias? Ox, I do not know what to think. I just keep hoping this is all some big misunderstanding. How do we fight against a traitor? An animorph? We are close to David's house, Axe pointed out. Visser 3 said they'd be watching for him there, which means they'll be watching for us, too. I looked down at the house. It still showed signs of the epic battle that had taken place there. The window of David's old room was a gaping hole. Shattered glass, splintered wood, siding peeled off and hanging down. A truck was parked across the street. A brown UPS truck. I'd never seen a UPS truck parked on the street before. I wonder how many hork they have crammed in there, I said. I do not see David, or Tobias. Me neither, but David could be in the house. I'll have to go in and see. Prince Jake, this is a trap. Yeah, I know. The Yorks are on the lookout for David. But if he's here, do they know he's here yet? Maybe they missed him arriving. Maybe he's inside and hasn't been spotted yet. Or maybe he's undecided. Maybe he just needs to think about all this. That is a highly unacceptable number of maybes. Yup, sure is. Ox, I need you at your most dangerous, and that's as an Andalite. Land in the backyard two houses down, demorph, and be ready to jump some fences. I should stay with you. No, I'm going in alone. If David can still be reached, that's the only way. I'd like to pretend that I was some fearless hero right then, but that wouldn't be real. 
Maybe there are guys who don't feel afraid when they're facing death. But I think those guys are called lunatics, not heroes. I was scared. I knew what was in the UPS van. I didn't know what was in that abandoned, scarred house. What I did know was that I had no time to morph into something else. Or to come up with clever plans. All I could do was fly in and hope. Chapter 26 I swooped down toward that window. Or the hole that had once been a window. Down through the cold, lifeless night air. It was a strange scene inside. The battle we'd fought there had destroyed the walls, annihilating furniture, left the place looking like a house that's been demolished. But someone had dragged the bed back into place. It faced a television set. The set was on, but the picture was dim and snowy. A golden eagle stood on the upright bedpost, watching the TV screen. And that's when I saw the other bird. A crumpled mass of feathers lay atop a wadded-up sheet. Blood had seeped into the material. Tobias! I cried. There was no answer. The golden eagle turned its head to look at me. He was following me, David said, trying to stop me. A voice in my head was saying no, over and over again, till it was one long siren wail. No. No. No! Tobias! I yelled again. No answer. I didn't know what to do. The eagle, David, was three times my size. I was alone. I was straining my hearing, listening for breathing sounds from Tobias. David, you can't do this, I said as calmly as I could. Do what, Jake? Turn myself over to the yurks? Of course not. You really think I'm dumb enough to try that? That's not what this is about. Then what are you doing? I roared, suddenly not calm. What are you doing, hurting Tobias? Hurting him? Oh, he's dead, in case you were wondering, David said. Definitely dead. My mind kind of went numb as he spoke those words. I strained to hear sounds from the clump of mangled feathers. But there were no sounds. I felt very weak. Helpless. How could this be? How could I have let this happen? Why are you doing this? I pleaded. What choice do I have? The Yurks know me. My parents would turn me in. And you? You and the others? Hey, you made it clear the other night when I checked into the Holiday Inn, right? What was it you said? Something like... If you go around using your powers however you want, we can't have you around. You're a danger to us. I recognized the words. You think I don't know you were threatening me, Jake? David said. I'm not spending the rest of my life taking orders from you. You and Marco and Rachel and Cassie. You're like this clique or something. Like, do what we say or you can't be one of the popular kids. My family used to move around a lot. I was always the new kid in school. 
I got used to being pushed around by the so-called popular kids. That's all this is. This is like you and Marco and Rachel are the cool kids. And I'm just the new kid, right? So you get to push me around? Rachel gets to call me a coward? Because I want to stay alive? I don't think so. You murdered Tobias because you think this is some stupid school thing? I yelled. Murder? I don't think so, Jake. He said with a laugh. He's a bird. You may kill a bird, but it isn't murder. I'd never do that. I wouldn't hurt a human. But hey, an animal? That's a different story. He stared hard at me with the laser-focused glare of the Golden Eagle. And what could I do? He was as fast as me, bigger than me. If he had outfought Tobias with all his experience, he would outfight me. What choice do I have, Jake? David asked, almost sadly. No family. No home. Can't even step out in public as a human. Yurk's after me. The rest of my life, I live in Cassie's barn? Do what I'm told? Let Marco hammer me? Let Rachel look down her pretty nose at me? And in the meantime, risk getting trapped as a flea or something? Or killed? Maybe you want to be the big hero, Jake. But not me. I have this power now. I'm going to use it. The Yurks will never stop looking for you, I said. They'll never find me. See, all I have to do is acquire some other human morph, right? I can be human for two hours at a time. I even have a person in mind. And using my powers, I can take anything I want. Anything. I can be a millionaire if I want. If the Yurks don't get you, we will, I said. Yeah. I know, David acknowledged. But already there used to be six of you, and now there are just five. Pretty soon, Jake. It'll be four. That's when the eagle spread his wings, flopped hard, and shot toward me. Chapter 27 The golden eagle was huge. The wings seemed to fill the room. The talons, raked forward and opened wide, would rip me open in a flash. I dropped backward, flat onto my back on the floor. Something no falcon would ever do. Something David's eagle instincts would never expect. The eagle flew over me. I scuttled under the bed, my talons scrabbling wildly on the exposed wood flooring. Again, something no falcon would do. How long do you think you can hide under there? David mocked, but I could hear frustration in his voice. He stuck his big eagle's head down and peered, almost comically, beneath the bed. He could come in after me, but he'd be crammed in tighter than I was. He'd be unable to move. He flopped over to the window opening, and when I peered after him, I saw his talons growing. He was demorphing. A mistake. David might have all my morphing power, but he didn't have my experience. He would be helpless while he was in mid-morph. I could escape. Only, I didn't want to escape. Not with Tobias lying dead on the bed above me. I'd gone into lots of battles against Hork-Bajir, Taxons, Visser III himself. 
I'd always gone in hoping to win. But I'd never gone in consciously hoping to kill. This was different. I didn't want to escape. I wanted to destroy David. I wanted revenge. Human feet began to emerge from the talons. I timed it carefully. Then, I scrambled back out from beneath the far side of the bed and flapped my wings. David stood there, maybe three feet tall, still covered in feathers. His face was an eagle's face, but there were human fingers beginning to emerge from the wingtips. He reached over and clumsily grabbed a jagged piece of wood about as long as a baseball bat. Come on, little birdie, he said. Try for the window. Go ahead. I flopped hard, making a lot of noise with my wings. But I didn't fly. I skimmed across the floor on my talons, using my wings to get up to speed. David saw what I was doing and tried to bend over to slam the stick down. Just one problem. He was still more bird than human. And birds don't have a waist. Whap! The stick missed me, and I was under his guard. Under his guard and now flying straight up, up at his face. He staggered back. He batted at his face with his half-formed hands. But I was too close, and he was too clumsy. I raked his face with both talons. Ugh! He cried with a mouth more human than bird. I dug one talon up his emerging nose and... Boom, 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 boom. Footsteps racing. Wham! The broken door blew back on its hinges. Hork Bajir poured into the room. David was still blinded by my feathers and the blood in his face. I immediately let him go, dropped straight down, and turned for the window. I blew through it with Hork Bajir claws tearing at my tail feathers. David leapt! Out the window! I was airborne, but his falling body slammed me out of the air. We went down together. Hard. The swimming pool was behind us. David was on his back, but already remorphing. Horkbajir leapt fearlessly out into the dark yard. They were a species raised in the trees. A ten-foot drop meant nothing to them. Fump, fump, bump. Three big Horkbajir landed on the grass. Their T-Rex feet dug deep into the sod. Their blades flashed dully in the dim light. I lay stunned, my feathers muddy and stiff. David was morphing as fast as he could. His human features were already almost gone. But neither of us was going to get airborne fast enough to clear the fence and get away. I'd need a running start to get that high that fast, and with the pool behind me, I was trapped. The hork ran straight for us. It would be over in a few seconds. I tensed up, waiting for the blade flash that would cut me in two. But then, something flew overhead. Over the fence. Over the pool. No, it didn't fly. It soared. Axe cleared the fence and the pool and dropped almost daintily down between me and the advancing hork I thought you might wish some assistance, Prince Jake, Axe said calmly. Undelight, the biggest hork spat. Yes, Andalite, Axe said with all the natural arrogance of his people. What a pity for you, Yerk. Now, one Andalite is not a match for three hork but the Yurks have a very healthy respect for Andalite tales. So the hork hesitated. They didn't hesitate for long, but it was enough. Axe reached down, scooped me up in his many-fingered hands, 
and leapt backward over the pool. Whoa, I didn't know you could do that, I said. I didn't either, Ak said. Now Hork-Majeur raced around the pool, coming for us. Now that they were past their first hesitancy, they were fixated on the one endolite they could see and be sure of. They abandoned David. Ax turned around and leapt the fence, facing forward. The hork didn't bother to leap. They came barreling straight through, wiping out the fence in an explosion of splinters and a barrage of noise. Lights snapped on in neighboring houses, but it was too late for the hork Too late for them to see that the neighbor on this side also had a pool. Ax skipped clear of this swimming pool. The hork plowed in. The three seven-foot creatures weren't going to drown. The pool was only six feet deep. But they weren't going to catch us, either. Overhead, I saw the eagle fly. I have to go after him, I said. Wait till I can morph and come with you, Ak said. No, we can't lose him, I said. Don't follow me. Get help. Get Rachel. She lives close. She can use her owl morph to find us. Maybe. Good hunting, Prince Jake. Normally, I would have said, Don't call me Prince. It's a running joke between me and Axe. But this wasn't a night for jokes. Axe, I think Tobias is dead. I said. I think David killed him. That would be a most terrible thing, Ark said. Yeah, get Rachel. If David's killed Tobias, we may have to do a terrible thing too. Get Rachel. I took to the air and raced after the Golden Eagle. Chapter 28 He saw me. He knew he was stronger than me in the air, but still... He flew on. On through the night, as fast as we both could fly. We passed over the school. We passed over the construction site, where the others and I had first encountered Alfangor and become what we were today. I thought he was flying back toward Cassie's barn, but he kept going, apparently without any specific idea of where to go. You've been a long time in that morph, Jake, he called to me. Better demorph. Not as long as you've been in your morph, David. I guess you're right. I was looking for the right place to do this. But I guess I'll have to take whatever comes up. He said. I didn't know what he meant. But then, I saw him gliding downward. Down toward the empty mole below us. He disappeared behind a stack of air conditioning equipment on the vast mall roof. I looked back, trying to see if Axe had decided to follow me. But no, he'd have done what I asked. He'd have gone to get Rachel. Nothing. The sky was empty. I glided down toward the mall roof, avoiding the area where I'd seen David land. I came to rest on the gravelly roof, exhausted from the endless flapping. I looked carefully, fearfully, into the darkness. I strained my hearing, but no one was near. I watched to see if David would fly away again. But in my heart, I knew he would not. David had picked this place. David wasn't going to run. I demorphed and soon stood there, feeling out of place, conspicuous, 
and yet I was invisible to anyone on the ground. A raised edge went all around the mall roof. Behind me and to the right were the walls that rose up to the third floors of the big department stores. I was two floors up above the main mall itself. I began to morph again. All right, David, I said to the darkness. You want this fight? You can have this fight. The orange and black fur swept across my body. The long tail extended out behind me. I fell forward onto footpads the size of frying pans. I tested my claws, extending them slowly from their sheaths. I felt the tiger's instincts welling up beneath my own. I had done this morph many times. I had long since learned to control the tiger's bloodthirsty instincts. But I didn't want to control them. Not this time. Not with Tobias lying dead. I sniffed the breeze and smelled him. I listened and heard the stealthy pad of feet on the gravel and tar paper. I looked with eyes that were indifferent to darkness. He was fifty feet away. His mane ruffled in the breeze. His tail swooshed restlessly back and forth. You never answered me, Jake, he said. Lion versus tiger. Who do you think will win? Let's find out, I said. Instantly, he was a tan blur, racing straight at me, low to the ground. So fast, faster than any human could react, so fast that human prey would not have had time to scream. But I wasn't human. Like a runaway train, he came at me, yellow fangs bared. I sat back on my haunches, gathering power into my legs and lowering my own sleek head. We hit! His jaws raked past my ear. I twisted and sank my teeth into his... Into his mane! My teeth closed on nothing but hair! Ugh! I cried. I felt as if someone had shoved red-hot spikes into my shoulder. His teeth sank deep into muscle and sinew. I twisted, but that only made the pain worse. I rolled onto my back. My belly was exposed! He released my shoulder and darted in for the kill, hoping to disembowel me. But I was ready. I curled my back legs up and slashed. His head snapped back. Blood flew from his muzzle. Like lightning, I was up on my feet, fast as only a cat is fast, with liquid speed and vicious grace. I was up, but the lion, too, is a cat. The paw hit the side of my head so hard, my eyes exploded in fireworks. I jumped away and barely avoided those deadly yellow fangs. Suddenly, we were both circling, circling, head to head, tails twitching, waiting for the other to make a careless move. He was as fast as I was. I was bigger and heavier, but not by enough to matter much. And he had that mane that kept my teeth from the one target they wanted most. The arteries that pumped blood through his neck. I stared into his eyes. He stared into mine. We were electric, tingling, bristling, buzzing with power and speed and energy. He leapt. We hit, shoulder to shoulder, and rolled across the roof. I was on my feet in a flash, but suddenly I realized I wasn't on gravel. My feet were slipping. My claws had nothing to grip. I was standing on glass, the skylight. Below me, I saw the dim nightlights of the mall. 
I caught a strange, unreal glimpse of the Waldenbrooks and the baby gap beside it. It was a 20-foot drop to the upper mall concourse. David leapt. I couldn't grip well enough to move. So I stood, defenseless, as the tan blur came at me like a truck. He hit. His mouth was aimed at my throat. I jerked aside. He slammed into me, and there was a huge, world-filling shattering of glass. Down we fell, slashing and biting and trying to kill, even as the floor rushed up to slam us. And then, in midair, twisting to get my feet beneath me, I felt the teeth. I felt them sink into my neck. I felt the blood gushing. The tiger's blood. My blood. Falling. Falling. And already the darkness, the darkness... Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another extra big episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. And uh, thank you for being patient with me as I release this late but uh, extra big episode. If you aren't tuned into the Twitter, that's at Audiomorphs, if you want to go check that out. Uh, I did announce this last Thursday. Uh, that I realized as I was editing the final bit to post that episode um, for Friday that I only had two more chapters left in the book and I normally take uh, time off this podcast around this time for American Thanksgiving, which I'm clarifying now because I realize we have many international listeners who might be like, why is Daniel just taking time off in the middle of, or at the end of November? That's weird. Anyway. Not because I like Thanksgiving or believe in the American project, but because my work gives me time off and I like to go see my friends. Um, but where was I? Yes. So I realized there were two, uh, chapters left, so it would have made a short episode and would have been a short episode after a break, which seems like a bad way to end a book, you know? I just felt bad. So I was like, uh, I have a little extra time before my flight. I think I can squeeze in two more chapters if I work hard. And I did, and we're here, and we did it. So, uh, applause all around for me, for you, for, um, you know, uh, sliced bread. Who doesn't love it? Anyway, uh, we got a lot of messages. I don't know if it's uh, because I let them pile up a little bit because uh, we didn't do them this on Friday, but uh, for whatever reason, we got a few. We got one on the Tumblr. I think this is a new one, to be honest, uh, especially with the anonymous Tumblr messages. I sometimes uh, forget when they're sent in and Tumblr's not a good website. They don't timestamp them for me. So if I read this before, my apologies. Hey, Anonymous, you're getting read twice in that case. If not, well, then we just have an, a message from an anonymous person. That Tumblr is audiomorphscast.tumblr.com if you'd also like to write in. Uh, this anonymous person wrote in and said, Hi, I just discovered Audiomorphs today, and it has literally, literally given me a new lease on life. This is amazing! I'm on chapter 11, book 2, right now, and am absolutely loving everything about this. Thanks so much for taking the time to do all the chapters. I've loved these books since I was a kid. The first time I heard the thought speak, I actually said, Oh my god! out loud. And when I heard the <coughs> sound for the hawk, I felt like I was soaring. Seriously, so awesome! And then three heart emojis. Thank you so much for loving what I do. Thank you for listening. Thank you for finding this and enjoying it. 
Um, really, no, that's very cool. Uh, I think I gotten a lot better since book two, so hopefully, um, your enjoyment will just continue to grow as my production values do as well. Uh, but very cool message. I'm I'm glad you're getting to re-enjoy this series. I know when I reread it, you know, some years ago before I started this project, I had a great time, and so let's spread that joy. Okay, moving on. We also have one through uh, the website that is theapocalypse.com. That's theapocalypse. Like apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. Actually, I think we got messages in all three uh, major ways you can reach me, so that's very cool this week. Uh, but this is from Sean. Uh, I thought I sent an email back to Sean, but it got bounced back, so maybe uh, I typed it in wrong or something, but I'll answer it here as well. Sean wrote in and said, Hey there, I've been thoroughly enjoying... Uh, excuse me, I've been thoroughly enjoying listening to the Audiomorph podcast of yours, but I can't seem to find a couple of the books. I don't see the Hork-Bajir Chronicles, Visser, or the Elemis Chronicles. Did you do these books yet, or are you planning to do them? Thank you for your time. Uh, Sean, well, the answer is I haven't done them yet. This is an ongoing project, and I am doing them in chronological order. And uh, weirdly enough, because I didn't realize this when I was a kid, uh, but the Chronicles and the Megamorphs all chronologically do fit in the timeline. So there is a quote-unquote correct time to read, for example, the hork Chronicles, which is spoilers right after the David Saga. We will be heading uh, there very shortly. So uh, hang on tight, and we, we will get there. Um, but thank you for writing in, Sean. I'm glad you're enjoying it, uh, and I hope that uh, I, I will get to those books you want to soon. All right, we got quite a few uh, ones through the email. That is audiomorphscast at gmail.com, uh, starting with uh, Naeem. Naeem wrote in and said, Hey, Daniel, just wanted to know how much, just wanted you to know how much I appreciate your podcast. It's good to know I wasn't the only one who had an issue finding the books in chronological order. I had just started uh, buying the and then in parentheses like two at a time, official audiobooks back in 2020 when I found your podcast and saw how far ahead you were. One of my favorite parts is how I can tell it's a passion project, and that's very admirable. If at any point you find yourself looking for help slash for more talent in the future books, maybe in the books about Hork-Bajir, feel free to let me know. No worries if not. Thanks again for the hours I've spent listening at work. Thanks and good luck in the future, Naeem. P.S. My favorite character has and always will be Tobias. I love that, uh, quote, living in two worlds aspect of him. Uh, for sure, Naeem, I totally agree with your uh, analysis of why. I also uh, certainly identify in living in two worlds and that kind of disconnect therein. Uh, diaspora, am I right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you, you're enjoying it and I'm glad you're still listening through my stuff, even though I do believe the uh, official audiobooks have caught up. You can't beat that full-time production schedule. Uh, they do turn them out a little faster than me. They just got started later. Uh, but I hope you keep on sticking around, and uh, definitely, if you or anyone else uh, would like to send me, I guess, uh, some sort of audition reel of voices, um, you know, I I have said many times before, I have a fairly, I'm not a voice guy, I have a very, fairly limited range of, of sort of distinct voices I can do, and I hit that limit, you know, back in book one, so... Um, yeah, uh, Naeem, get get in touch. Send send me some audio clips. As long as your audio is clean, um, and I think the the voices vibe, well, we we might be able to work something out. Definitely, you know, there's gonna be a lot of Hork-Bajir voices, and I've only kind of had the one Hork-Bajir voice. It's just sort of a low guttural thing, and I might need to come up with a few different ones, you know, to if you have more than one main Hork-Bajir character. Uh, but thanks for writing in, Naeem. 
Uh, I also have a, a message from Willis, uh, who writes in saying, Curious if you would ever make a Discord channel for the pod, a place to talk about Animorphs that isn't the Reddit, where people who have only listened to your pod can talk about the books, without hitting major spoilers. I've gotten a lot of information about the end of the series that I wish I hadn't, talking to people on the Reddit. Thanks for the audio experience, my prince. Willis the Arths. Love the rhyming there, Willis the Arths. Don't call me Prince. Um, and also, uh, I'm not a big Discord guy. Uh, I chat rooms. There's something in my head where, like, I have to read every message in, like, a thread or something um, before I can comment or move on. Uh, and I can do that, like, when it's, like, a forum thread. I can just kind of scroll. But when it's a chat log, that's a huge pain. And so I just I don't enjoy chat rooms. I'm sorry. If you want to create a uh, Audiomorphs Discord yourself, you have my full blessing. Uh, send me the link. I will promote it on uh, these show notes, I guess, and through the Twitter. Because um, I think it'd be cool to build up a community. I just, I I don't want to be the one running it because I'm lazy I don't, and I don't have the time, I guess. Um, but thank you for the question. And I'm sorry you got spoiled. It, uh, You know, spoilers are so tricky. Uh, it's an old series, but, you know, new people come into it. I don't know. Uh, I, I think, you know... People should do their best to avoid uh, spoilers, but at the same time, I feel like uh, a truly well-written story should be able to take the blow of getting it spoiled and still um, deliver a satisfying narrative experience. So I hope you stick with it, Willis. I hope you still enjoy everything despite what spoilers you've heard. And if you want to create a Discord, you have my blessing. Uh, The last message we have, we've had a lot. Woo! Uh, is from a longtime listener, our Norwegian correspondent, uh, Fride, I believe is how it's pronounced. I know I d- took the shot in the dark the first time you wrote in and you told me I did a good job. I do not remember how I said it way back then, but Fride has written back and said, uh, Hi Daniel, I was inspired by Tank the Tractor Driver and thought it might be cool to start a bit of a trend. So I've attached a snippet of my workday as a tram driver of the northernmost tram in the world, which is Norway. You've got fans from Norway in the north to Australia in the south. How cool is that? Have a great day. Sincerely, free day. And then a follow-up. P.S. I listened to your podcast at work, which is why I wanted to send you the snippet. I forgot to add that in my my enthusiasm. Oops. It's a great listen when I drive evenings and nights on weekends. Hope you continue this project to the end. Uh, I'm definitely hoping to, Friday. So uh, let's, let's ride this out together. And uh, Friday did, in fact, send me a short clip of her operating a tram, uh, which was very soothing. <laughs> I had a great time watching it. I think that uh, operating a tram at night sounds, and from what I could see, is just an extremely chill and relaxing thing. Uh, I was very about that video. Thank you so much for sending it in. Although it did, did occur to me, as I was reading this right now, that might have been daytime for you, huh? Because Norway's, uh, Norway's north enough. That you guys have to deal with that whole, uh, uh, the long dark, essentially, right? Uh, where it gets dark at, like, 1pm. Uh, that sucks. I'm sorry you have to deal with that, but, uh, it looks very relaxing when it's dark out. I don't know. Alright, I've taken up enough of everyone's time. Uh, those were all my messages. You heard all the ways you could reach me. That's the Gmail, audiomorphscast at gmail.com. The Tumblr, audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. The website, theapodcalypse.com. And of course, the Twitter, at audiomorphs. And I will, um, still be taking a break next week. Uh, I guess this week. So, the Supercut will have to come out, uh, the week after. Something like, we'll get it all figured out. You know, it'll, I'll be skipping some... At least a week, right? But this came late, so it's all thrown off. 
don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> we'll we'll be back soon. Um, I'll post the the mega cut, and then um, we're off to the conclusion of the David saga. So stay tuned for all of that. Thank you all for listening, and I will see you maybe not next week, but soon. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight.